Hey everyone, Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and welcome to our Veteran Stories with Difference Makers, and I'm delighted we've got Victor Rodriguez-Tafoya here with us, a veteran and community person. Good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So great that you're here. Why don't you share with us about your, um, first of all, your military service and, and what you do. Give us an introduction. Of course. Uh, well, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, my name is Victor Rodriguez Tafoya. I use both last names just to be, uh, make it a little more complicated or special. <laughs> uh, it's my father's <laughs> last sure. name, my mom's last name. <laughs> yes, I'm a first generation uh, uh, immigrant in the U.S., first generation uh, military in, from my family. Eventually, my brother followed and joined the, the Army. I joined uh, the Marines. Uh, I made better, better decisions there. <laughs> um, it's always a joke that we have between uh, uh, the branches, but definitely we all, you know, are there to support each other, help each other out. Uh, I joined in 2003 and uh, deployed to Iraq in 2007 uh, as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, got back in 2009, uh, 2008, and um, eventually finished my service uh, right a little bit after that in 2009. So it was a total of uh, eight years that I served in, in the Marine Corps Reserves. Wow. So Deb was in the Army, you were in the Marine Corps. What made you choose the Marines? Uh, my brother, actually, my brother's the one that joined the, the Army. The Marines, the Army. Um, I, I was honestly approached by a recruiter, and he was very persuasive about, you know, why the Marine Corps will be uh, ideal. And his way of getting me into it was very... Uh, not too unique. I mean, they usually do it all the time. The uniform, you know, is better. It has better colors. You'll get these benefits. Uh, to be honest, I was very naive at the moment, but it was definitely a great experience. I'm pretty sure if an army recruiter would have approached me the same way, I would have joined us. Uh, joined as well. Uh, but his persuasion was very, uh, uh, very simple, and I fall. I fell for it. <laughs> the power of the uniform and the colors, huh? Yes, most definitely. And so you deployed to Iraq. What was that like? Um, it was great. Um, it was a great experience. It was different. Uh, my family was very concerned at the time. Um, I was mm. the first one in the family, the oldest in the family, um, especially going you know, to a war zone. Uh, mm. But the train that we got prior uh, going and how they prepared us, not only physically, but mentally to be there um, was, was, was good. And, and it kept us... Uh, strong kept us together. Um, I think some of the great moments that I have from being uh, deployed out there was salsa nights. There was a way of getting us entertaining, getting us a little bit out of the uh, pressure of the daily to where there was different activities. There was boxing, there was uh, uh, you know certain sports, and including salsa nights. Uh, a Dominican uh, army uh, sergeant, I remember, he will put together uh, salsa nights in Al-Assad, Iraq. So salsa nights were definitely my my way of, uh, you know, getting stressed out uh, and and just relaxing uh, once a week whenever I had a chance to go out and 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 spend three hours practicing and learning how to dance salsa bachata and and merengue out there. That's fantastic. How important are things like that for people that are deployed? Uh, very important. Uh, I think uh, you know definitely one of the things that we always do look forward to our letters, packages, care packages, um, a phone call, a video call uh, with family members, and uh, having some sort of way of, of, you know, getting our minds out of, of this pressure that we live on a daily, um, of having to keep, you know, uh, 
watch our backs, watch each other's backs and watch our, our, our backs uh, from mm. anything that could happen. So we're always, you know, walking, working on, uh, you know, watching for, for time, watching for space, watching people. So the pressure that we live on a daily is definitely, uh, you know, takes a toll eventually. So that's a way to kind of relax a little bit. I wanted to ask about what were some of those pressures, you know, constantly watching watching each other's backs and making sure that yourself, you know, you're safe. Tell us about some of those pressures that, that are felt on the, on the daily. Um, I think it differs uh, by indig- individual and by the uh, unit or the group they're in. Um, at a personal level, I think my pressures were to, yes, you know, uh, do my job, wake up early, you know, don't wake up late uh, and be able to stay awake and alert uh, the whole time. Um, on top of that, I think we have many other stressors, especially those that come from home. Um, is my family okay? How can I keep them okay? Letting them, mm. letting them know that I'm, I'll be fine. Um, mm. And then on top of that, uh, other you know personal issues that could conflict and add to the stressors. Um, at the time, personally, you know, I, I'm... I'm gay, so at the time it was very hard to either express it or say it. So the don't ask, don't tell policy was in place. So there was nobody you can talk about it. If you had a partner mm-hmm. back home, who are you going to talk about your partner having any issues? It's a conversation that you don't have. So it's an mm-hmm. added stressor that we have, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as part of the LGBT community within the military where you, you don't talk about it because, you know, you could get in trouble potentially. So uh, there was certain, you know, certain instances where I was questioned a lot about uh, my sexuality at the time, and that definitely added, you know, stress uh, on my daily of having to, you know, keep an appearance of who I was or who I had back home, you know, who my family was. Um, so that added to any additional stress that we had on a daily of trying to stay alive, pretty much. So uh, I think, uh, you know, as individuals, we all have different stressors, you know, could be kids, could be a wife. Um, but definitely mine was to stay on alert, not only, uh, you know, of who the enemies might be, but how others might perceive uh, me or get me in trouble. So it's something that I also been working, uh, working on in the last couple of years of where I'm, I'm trying, to, you know, I, I've been trying to let go of those uh, little triggers that I had, but uh, definitely that was uh, one of my biggest challenges out there. Mm. I'm just wondering because I think there's a difference between people recognize uh, you're gay and then you just get on with your work but you don't talk about it versus mm-hmm. not, only, not only do I not talk about it, but I present as something different. Right. Which right. one was uh, it? Well, I, I think uh, it was... Because one of my sergeants, you know, found out that I was, and all he, all he, all he said was, you know, t- you know, be cautious with, you know, who you, you know, where you leave your letters or any pictures, just be careful. But even that idea of being careful, that message of being careful, yeah, he's not going to say anything. He's going to let me do, you know, what I got to do. There's still this idea of be aware type of uh, situation where they're, they are also trying to make me cautious about being careful for something that, apparently I should be careful of. So, so it, it, it's difficult to, to manage on my own, but even with the people around me where, you know, I can't even talk about it with them. Hmm. Did it make you feel like your, your brothers in arms, the people who should have your back, 
that you're so close with that there might be that level of um, unsafety if they were to know that because if you have to hide your pictures hide your letters it's as if that could cause you harm if they were found correct i mean it was and i didn't feel you know i didn't feel any uh negative um attachment or detachment from them it was more like oh you know i i'm not getting getting in trouble so i don't get them in trouble uh for trying to right for me type of thing um but outside of work or outside of uh the service um the uh the brotherhood that we have and the support that we have for each other um, grew even stronger, even after, after the service where that mm -hmm. was not even a question that will, you know, directly ask. So, you know, do you have a boyfriend? Have you been married or do you have a partner? You know, the conversation just flows naturally now. Uh, but at the time we were all, yes, doing our job, but also, you know, watching out not to get in trouble or not to get each other in trouble. Right. And so when you decided to leave the military and transition into civilian life, what were some of those things that, because I imagine that's a, that's a big change, right? Because right. Army, Marines, Navy, it's 24-7. You know, that's your life. Making that transition, what were some of the pressures, difficulties, challenges, and what made the difference to help you with the transition to civilian life? I think the biggest challenge of the, uh, of the time was not knowing um, what services are out there to help you or not recognizing uh, certain uh, aspects of your health or your personality that might have changed after the service and how much that impacts uh, your personal life, um, you know, that your, your sleeping pattern, your relationships, um, how everything mm. is impacted by uh, so many, uh, you know, trainings and, and even triggers. So it's first being able to recognize that my sleeping pattern was not the same anymore. And it took me mm. time to realize that there was a problem with that and that there was a, 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 a something that I needed to, you know, attend. Um, depression. Depression was a, a sort of like an escalating, uh, you know, condition where it got worse, you know, year, year after year, but I never actually recognized it until, you know, years later. So I think that, that being able to seek help for something that you don't see yet is the hardest part. So being able to stay connected from the beginning and try to seek help for, you know, any little thing, any little change that you see, uh, whether it be maybe an increase in the consumption of alcohol or, um, right. you know, all, all, I know alcohol for sure was a big issue in, in many uh, of my veterans, uh, brothers and sisters that, that, that I have, where eventually, yeah, we were drinking a little bit more and wait, no, that's not normal. You know, what's going on? And alcohol is also a depressor, so it added to that, you know, depression, depression stage. Uh, so definitely being able to recognize those signs that can be uh, almost ignored at the beginning and seek mm. help those are, are, is the biggest challenge. Once in the system, once in the, in the process of, um, you know, seeking the attention and, and, and uh, uh, rehabilitation almost of all those little issues, um, everything kind of just unfolds, you know, little by little. I think being able to seek uh, medical uh, therapy, psychological attention from the VA, um, but also adding to that um, education, being able to go to school. And me personally, being very uh, specific on the classes uh, that I'm uh, taking that also give me answers to um, some of my conditions, um, my mm. method of communication, my, uh, you know, 
reactions to certain things that are a mix of my military training, but also my triggers from my cultural uh, environment um, and how those kind of impacted the way I, you know, I've been developing my own personality. Hmm. Do you feel that the service that you're in um, identified for you when you were making that transition, watch out for these types of signals that could mean that you need help and then these services are available to help you. Was that made clear for you? Not at the beginning. Um, it was definitely after. And the thing is that at, at, at first we have this, I remember before coming back, uh, somebody told us, you know, we might get that Superman syndrome where we, we feel invincible. We went to war and we're coming back and we're alive. No? Um, I feel like we do have that uh ego and especially as marines where they're supposed to be the best where we don't talk about it where we don't uh you know right. try to show weakness and i think that works against us uh because it's actually strength to be able to recognize um that you know you have a specific condition if you have depression if you are consuming alcohol and you realize that you're reacting to certain situations that way you shouldn't um, I remember my friends used to know me as the one that will cry all the time. So eventually I was like, well, why am I crying all the time? What's going on? So <laughs> being able to recognize right. those things and, and, and just the fact mm -hmm. that I can talk about it now and before I will just break down, <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. But yeah, it, it's, it's fighting our, our ego at the beginning. That's it's the hardest. Right. Fighting that ego. Do you think that the ego is a big part of that, is that conquer the mountain, you know, we'll protect our brothers and sisters in the military, you know, that you've got to take that hill. And so that, that becomes very much part of who you are. It's very, very different in civilian life, isn't it? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and again, you know, a lot of factors fall into place, uh, cultural factors or being the, the male in the family, right. the oldest in the family. Um but yeah, yeah, definitely being able to to um, look into those issues that are maybe breaking relationships or uh, you know creating some sort of pattern where you know you might get I don't know worst case scenario and uh, you know getting a DUI or getting a, uh, an accident or you lose attention or track of uh, assignments or things you know what you know certain patterns that eventually can. Uh, be causing you to be out of balance you know try to find mm. a, a reason for it and a lot of times you know many many of our you know uh, veterans brothers and sisters might just oversee those things again because we're supposed to be strong we're supposed to you know uh portray this strong image that or, or persona that, that we're supposed to be and in addition a lot of a uh, social uh pressure that we get because even um, after serving, you know, in the different jobs that, uh, that I've had, um, that additional pressure of, oh, yeah, you know, he, he was in the military. So, you know, he's going to be great or he's going to, you know, this or that. It's an added pressure that is put on by mm. society that of, you know, because of uh, without the expectation. Thinking, exactly. Without thinking of uh, certain baggages that we carry uh, after the service. Um, right. and the baggages that we don't necessarily recognize uh, at the beginning.
There are many things, um, just from my understanding of people in the military, um, is that they have a lot of skills and a lot of training and a lot of experiences and a lot of things that are, I would say, transferable skills to different industries and often people who exit the service, they don't recognize. Not only do they have these things that they need to work through in terms of, you said, baggage to bring into civilian life and work through those with support, but also there's a wealth um, of experiences and skills and knowledge in their toolkit that they can bring bring into civilian life that maybe other people don't have. We try to recognize that as part of the university and give people academic credit for it. Um, tell us about Tell us about the things that you've done in civilian life in your career. I know that we talked about it briefly before we started the show, but you've done some interesting things. Uh, yes. Well, um, I've worked mainly in uh, TV uh, media production, uh, mostly mm -hmm. uh, Spanish news, uh, some English news as well. Uh, it was a year. Uh, it lasted over a year before I went back to school and an uh, English, English station. Um, but definitely having to work in my military life under pressure helped me work in a newsroom under pressure where we had to turn in certain assignments or find information or go on air right. or break a story. Uh, being able to handle things under pressure was definitely a, uh, uh, a skill or something that would just was very easy for me to, to handle and to keep other people under control and keep other people, other people relaxed, letting them know that it's gonna right. be okay. Um, and we're gonna get you know through it. I think that's that's a skill that a lot of not a, not a lot of people develop or develop mm. as easy, uh, especially having to work in an environment where it's again um, under pressure. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I, I I lean towards working in the news media because of yes that pressure that was on a daily that almost was the same from uh, being in the military where was a there was a daily assignment there was a daily daily deadline. Um, and it kind of fit in to what I had been trained for and now I was doing in the civilian world. Um, but it's, it, it, it can also take a toll, you know, especially having towards sometimes long hours. Uh, mm. uh, but on top of that being, um, I mean, at least personally having a lot of many times to be the, the person to be strong, the person to be uh, able to keep everybody calm, the, the little sponge mm. for everybody to relax a little bit. Um, again, playing that strong, you know, persona can definitely eventually, you know, get you tired. Mm. Got to have those coping strategies. Uh, definitely having to, uh, you know, have my therapy at least once a week, uh, maybe mm. uh, twice a month, if depending on the availability, therapy, therapy, therapy. Um, I think it's something that uh, isn't, was not necessarily uh, spoken about when I was growing up within my family uh, and within my culture. It's not a thing about, you know, having to seek a psychologist or a therapist. Um, the idea of somebody being crazy is who goes to the psychologist or goes to a therapist. Uh, but uh, now it's, I, I see this, this is totally different. I mean, we have, we've had, it's almost like a, um, you know, pressure cook, pressure cooker. You know, you have to let steam out a little bit once once in a while. Mm. My way, letting things out, or being able to see a light or a different perspective into situations. If you know mm. something arises up, you know, in, a, in my relationship or my family or uh, at work, and then you know what happened. I mean, what's going on, and then it helps me uh, solve my own questions. And a lot of times, we either voice it in a way that we're venting with someone, 
uh, but not necessarily seeking the answer. So being able to seek professional help helps us uh, kind of find the better, better answers, uh, better guidance. Um, mm. But on top of that, being able to make a little bit better decisions into what's going to be best for us, um, what's going to give us a little bit less pressure or how to not get into a situation where things are might even get worse. So might as well step to the side and, you know, uh, my handle it differently or, you know, do something different. So being able to, to perceive all those things, it's, is definitely helpful. The classes that I've been taking in school, um, have also been, um, you know, enlightening to have enlightened my, my, my vision and, and, in ways of communicating in ways of, um, having a relationship, a, a, uh, with someone, um, or even an approach to a situation or a conversation, you know, what's the best setting for me personally to have a conversation with, you know, mm. a boss with, you know, uh, with somebody else, being able to read somebody else because don't, nobody's going to read me. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, that's Victor, the veteran. No, they don't know if I'm a veteran or not. <laughs> they just know me or the face. So right. me having to put my, my extra thought into each individual and being able to read, uh, you know, uh, body language, facial mm. uh, uh, expressions, and how open or not open somebody is to have a conversation, being able to, instead of going straight with a, an issue, talking about, so how's your day? How are you doing? That kind of lets me a way to, you know, test the waters and see if this person is stressed, is busy, they have too much going on today, then in my mind, okay, we'll have the conversation tomorrow. Um, but... Mm my approach has changed a lot in, in how I communicate with someone just because everybody has, you know, something going on and not everybody yeah. has the same way of handling a, a situation or a conversation. I love that you've mentioned, you know, time management, handling pressure, team leadership, team management. People often don't recognize that those are hugely valuable, hugely valuable skills particularly when technology and job roles are changing so fast. These are the things that only people can do and can do well. You mentioned also about those interpersonal skills of um, body language and communication and discernment about when to bring up a topic or maybe oh, I'll bring that up tomorrow because <laughs> maybe they're having a bad day. Now's not the right time. Those right. things are really, really valuable. I was reading a book called, I wrote it down, Surrounded by Setbacks by Thomas Erickson. And he noted how important it is to actually build a support network around oneself, particularly to help us deal with those those stresses, those strains, those weaknesses. And you said um, being able to talk with your therapist about finding better answers rather than just the answers that we have. I, I love that. And I think maybe you've neglected to say bravery. Uh, you are really brave with actually sharing these things really openly, um, talking about your sexuality and the challenges with that, coming, um, being in the military and then having a therapist and the culture, as well as being military and being a man, coming from your culture, being a challenge to talk about that openly. Mm -hmm. I think you're really brave to share that so that other people can hear this and know actually it's okay. It's actually okay. So I think you're really brave. And tell us more about your studies that you're doing and what you hope to do after that. Uh, well, I, you know, I got uh, service connected with the VA. Uh, at first, I was I took advantage of the GI Bill, then eventually the post 11 mm. GI Bill. Um, once um, I was, I, you know, I seek information about the um, vocational rehabilitation program with the VA, and once I was uh, service connected. Um, 
I was able to receive the support uh, financially um, so that uh, the, which is chapter 33, I believe it was, no, chapter 31, chapter 31 um, program with a uh, uh, VA is able to pay for my books and, you know, full-time tuition. So that gave me a little bit more leverage into having less worried about, you know, finance uh, mm. focus on, on education. Um, that has given me more of an opportunity to to learn, understand, um, seek some sort of uh, channel or some sort of path into something that will eventually help me give back. Being able to, mm. uh, in this case, I'm focusing communication studies, as you know, as we as we talked about, uh, you know, body language. Uh, you know, if you're sick, if you're you're mad, um, I think those are skills that are key, like you mentioned, in every organization. Um, for any manager, any uh, CEO to be able to have a better uh, communication with their staff or with their employees. Uh, being able to have those skills, I think, is, is important. I think a lot of organizations sometimes, uh, you know, oversee those uh, small little steps into how to, you know, set up, have a setting, have a setting for a conversation. If an employee is coming in, you know, uh, for a simple conversation, it can be for a complaint, it can be for asking for a pay raise, you know, try to read the, per the person first and try to get a sense of where they're coming from. I think it's very important. A lot of people, uh, I feel like, you know, either are not in touch with or have lost sort of uh, that empathy of growing this skill and understanding how important it is, uh, especially growing relationships uh, at work. So that's that's my goal, you know, as far as education, uh, you know, finishing uh, or pursuing my uh, uh, communication, communications uh, study degree, eventually uh, yeah, focus on. Um, I'm not exactly sure yet, and I don't want to kind of say something that it might, might be change paths, but it's definitely going to be something that is going to be giving back uh, to my community. Uh, veterans, for sure. Um, my background as an immigrant has also uh, a, a connection to those groups that are pressured by culture and family of having to respond as you know the family man or the you know all or or, or the family support those cultural uh you know chains that we have that stay strong within you know as we grow but eventually sort of kind of this this connects us a little bit and creates some sort of um, uh, family tensions where parents might not understand why uh, the younger sibling could be uh, a little bit more distant than the older sibling. Well, it's because older sibling mm -hmm. is closer to your cultural uh, ways than the younger sibling who grew up away from the town that you come from. So having mm -hmm. to be able to train uh, you know, parents or all the older about their younger uh, generations and how this disconnect that they see is not necessarily a disconnect. It's just that they brought their families to, a, a you know, an area where their culture itself is already different uh, from what mm. they grew up in. Um, so I've been looking at all these little things that I can, I know I can bring something to, bring some light into mm. it and bring some peace of mind uh, to to families and understand that, hey, it's okay. Let's just find a different way of talking about it. I love that. I love that, that you're going to be focused, or you're focused now preparing for making a, a greater impact and making yeah. a difference in the lives of others. No, definitely. And, and I, 
and I think a lot of veterans, you know, the first thing to think about is definitely ourselves. <laughs> Take some time for ourselves. I was just going to say, it seems like you've you've been, you know, you're serving others, being in the military, focusing on yourself, preparing to then serve others again. And that, that focus on yourself time is so important in the transition and after the transition to make sure it's strong and successful, yeah? Most definitely. <laughs> Victor, thank you very much for your service, first of all, and thank you very much for being here with us today and for those people watching the recording, for our students and faculty, um, and for those on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitch, on any of the other platforms that um, we're going to be sharing this on. You can see we've got Victor's Twitter account on the screen and his LinkedIn account as well to encourage you to connect with him. And um, he is a real difference maker. So, Victor, thank you for being here with us today. Just as we wrap up, please don't go anywhere, but thank you for being with us on this podcast. Thank you so much. And everyone um, with UARD, we do love to connect with veterans. Reach out to us if education is your goal. We'd love to support you in that. And in the United States, you can access VA benefits, the GI Bill and 9-11 Bill uh, for your future studies. So thanks for being with us. Hope to see you again on Veterans Stories very soon. 